I really recommend people to do a dating experiment. You throw your idea of your type, that means your height requirement, their skinny jeans, their income, you throw all that crap out and you just choose people who seem to be kind, emotionally stable, who are intentionally wanting to date you and are interested. And even if you don't feel the sexual chemistry, you give it a try. And what will happen is you will eventually get a little bit more familiar with, oh, this is what support feels like. Oh, this is how it feels like when someone actually likes me. And that will start shifting your chemistry compass. Welcome back to Big Queen Energy. I'm your girl, Nicole Rose, with the podcast all about the mindset of a true queen. I'm a semi-retired DJ turned podcaster obsessed with positivity, psychology, and manifestation. Here to support you on your journey to attracting your dreams. Let's get it. Hello, my lovely ladies. So excited to be with you for this really extra special episode of Big Queen Energy. We are talking to the breakup queen today about how to heal your heart and rewire your heart after a breakup, the truth behind closure, and more tips from her best-selling book. Amy Chan is not only a mind hacker, but also a heart hacker. After her own difficult breakups and experiences with cheaters, she created the Renew Breakup Bootcamp, which is a retreat that takes a scientific and spiritual approach to healing the heart. She shares these ideas and more on Heart Hackers Club, her new online magazine, and in her book, The Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart. And since you guys know we are all about rewiring your brain here at Big Queen Energy, we are so excited that she focuses on the psychology behind love so we can pick her brain. Welcome to Big Queen Energy, Queen Amy. How are you? Hello. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for holding space for us and for uplifting us with all of the download you're about to. <laughs> yes. So, Amy, no one comes to just be a heartbreak expert without going through a ton of drama. Right. So I really want to know, like, what brought you into this occupation? How did you come to know this was your purpose? Was there one breakup in particular where there was just this massive aha moment for you? Yeah. So I found myself uh, at age 29, right after another panic attack in a bathtub, contemplating how I would pull off a suicide because the pain was so bad. And I had hit rock bottom. And this was after I found out the person I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with cheated on me. Um, at the time, I had also lost my job. I, you know, moved out of my apartment to move in with him. I spent a lot of our save my savings to take us on a trip for his birthday. And I was, I, I, at that time, I put so much of my identity in him and us that when the relationship fell apart, I completely fell apart. And as a high achiever, I also didn't know what was wrong with me because I couldn't just get over it. And I 
yeah, I couldn't figure out how I could pull off a suicide without traumatizing the person who would find my body, which is why I didn't do it. Like, thank God I've been a nurse. I love, you're so incredibly overanalytical and that is literally me. Like you just live in that high beta thinking brain. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, if you'd asked me back then when the suffering seemed so, I don't know, eternal, I would have never thought I would one day run a breakup boot camp, write a book on the subject, help, you know, thousands of people through their heartbreak. And I feel like, you know, that heartbreak was definitely the hardest one, but I crashed hard because it was really like a bandaid that ripped off. And I had to then deal with all of the trauma and the heartaches that was never really dealt with before, starting with, you know, the biggest heartbreak of all, which was the one with my father. So, you know, it really launched me into a journey of healing and trying to figure out why do I have this this gaping hole where I feel so empty if it's not filled up with love or love addiction. And here we are today. You know, I think that, by the way, thank you so much for sharing that story because that's incredibly vulnerable to go to that depth of the story, right? Because not everybody's had that experience. But then again, I'm sure there are some people who are listening right now who are like, I was there. That was me. Like, Mm. actually, what I thought you said was so impactful, especially specifically around how your identity was so tied to him. So I was there once when I had lost my grandpa about six months before then losing my father and then realizing my relationship was toxic when he was just continually causing me more and more stress during all of those losses. And I just couldn't, I was like, I wasn't contemplating suicide, but it was definitely a mental breakdown where I like couldn't get out of bed for a few days and was like, I have to change things about my life. I have to revamp my mindset. And that's actually where I built my own mentorship out of. So I totally can relate to how you how you processed everything as well into a boot camp. But how did you go about learning to separate your identity? I, I imagine that's a big part of the boot camp, right? Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't a quick fix. So I think that immediately after that breakup, the first few months was really just getting back to a somewhat normal emotional equilibrium. And eventually the those big, big swings of, of lows started to minimize. But even though that intensity started to get less and less, the codependency, the love addiction, the, you know, pining for someone who didn't want me, um, those were patterns that I had had my entire life. And those would follow me for many more years afterwards. And, and so, you know, and I, I feel like even today where I am in a healthy partnership and I'm securely attached, I still have to remind myself to not, not behave in a codependent way. And, and so I think it is life's work, especially if you've had decades of, of habits, it, it is going to take a longer time and, and harder work. Um, but it's through a myriad of things, right. From therapy to learning the tools to, to learning how to self-soothe and how to create your own foundation of safety. And you learn these things from the falling, right? You could read a book, sure, but it's not until you actually experience something and then you apply the knowledge that you have embodied wisdom and then you go, ah, I get it. I love that. That's amazing. The embodiment 
of that knowledge is what is truly transformative, right? Because we have to own that knowledge before we can actually apply it. And reading it just doesn't do it justice, especially not when it comes to something as close to the heart as a breakup. So why do you think that you, I mean, I've had this experience too. I'm sure 90% of girls listening have had this experience. Why do you think that we get addicted and attracted to toxic people? Mm, Okay, so I, I think there's two parts to my answer. And one is, look at the the stories that we are reading from the moment were like little children, right? Cinderella, Snow White, and then you grow up and then that becomes what? Sex in the City or Bridgerton or the latest, which is Sex Life. And what do these stories have in common, right? There's a prince. There is this this feeling of, of saving. There's this charismatic character that chooses you and suddenly you're special. And sometimes it's two people fighting over you and oh my God, you're so special. And it's intense. And, and that is the narrative of the love story that we are fed. And even if you're conscious of it, you are being bombarded with these messages for years, if not decades, and they do seep into your subconscious. So I think that we have a generation of women and maybe even men who really look at love as if it's this thing that has to be so exciting and full of passion and and it's intense. And if it's not there, then no, it's boring. And, um, And if it's stable or if it's secure and it's not giving you this major burst of dopamine and then withdrawal, then no, too nice. I don't like it. So I think there's that, right? There's the cultural aspect of it. And I think the second part of it is um, there's something called attractions of deprivation. And this is uh, a psychological, a a term used in psychology, uh, which describes how we are drawn to partners who can wound us in a very similar way to how we were wounded as children. So our subconscious, our psyche tries to recreate the scenario of the crime in an attempt to change its ending. So for example, I had a very unavailable father. He was an entrepreneur. He could walk into a room and light it up, but he was never around and he didn't know how to show love. The only time I felt that I got love was when I got good grades and he would give me some money. So I learned at a young age that love is earned. And it's earned when I'm useful, when I achieve, when I am the perfect little girl and grow when, you know, fast forward to, you know, my twenties, then I learn, okay, I have to be beautiful. I have to be perfect. And, and I have to kind of edit myself to be whatever the, the romantic interest wants of me. And then I'll get that love. And so I didn't know at the time that there was a pattern, but if you look at the emotional experience regardless of the package that person came up, you know, one was a, some were DJs, some were club promoters, some were tech entrepreneurs. They looked very different on the outside, but the emotional experience was the same. Anxiety, feeling desperate, pining for attention, constantly chasing someone down to love me. The emotional experience is the same. And so I think that we have to really look at our history because our mind works in loops. And, you know, if we didn't have a healthy model of what love looks like and feels like growing up, what do you think is going to happen when we're older? We got more work to do, honey. <laughs> the work is real. <laughs> I'm there. I, I I hear you on that. So you bring up an interesting point. Do you think, I like both of those points. I think that the first one of the story that society tells us really resonates with me because I've wondered that before because I've noticed that like saving 
yearning, I guess you would call it. And then I'm just like, what, where is this coming from? Like, I don't need saving. Like, bitch is good. Like, I'm fine with me. Like, I'm doing just fine. I don't need him to pay my bills. Why do I have this weird yearning? You know what I mean? And I was like, I mean, must be from things that I've seen and watched, right? Because there's no, my mom didn't need that, right? So there's just really no other explanation for it. But I had a question too. You said something about the cycle of dopamine. So do you think once women get into a semi or overtly toxic, maybe abusive relationship or a relationship with a narcissist or something that they get addicted to that cycle of dopamine and then withdrawal and then dopamine and then withdrawal? Yeah. So there's something that everyone needs to be aware of, and it's called intermittent reinforcement. And uh, this is what the people who created slot machines and casinos really figured out. And that is when we don't know when the reward is going to come, if it's unpredictable, we get hooked. And so they've done this experiment with rats So they put these rats in a cage and then there's a lever. And every time the rat presses a lever, it gets food. And so they're like, okay, let's see what happens when we make the food come sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't. And so what they saw was when the rat didn't know if they pressed the lever and the reward was going to come, when it was unpredictable, the rats would start to get completely obsessed with pressing the lever. They would stop grooming themselves. They would stop everything that like required them to live and they would just obsessively press the lever. So they all- Wait, I literally know girls who are doing that right now. Like no joke, they're act. Oh my God. If I just like texted them and was like, you're acting like a rat, I think that would probably like ruin the friendship. But I am going, how about this? I'm going to text them this episode. (laughs) That'd be a softer way to deliver the memo. <laughs> yeah. So whether it's, a, you know, someone gambling, playing the slot machine or this rat, what's going on is also when you get that little reward, right? For the, the food pellet, the, the jingling of the coins, the text message, or maybe they just scoped your IG story, you are getting a bigger burst of dopamine because it's inconsistent. So when the rewards are consistent, right, you're in a healthy, consistently safe relationship. And you know, every day they're going to text the amount of dopamine you get get is actually less. So it's when we don't know when it's going to come. And that is what gets us hooked. It's not because the person's so amazing. Right. Like, I'm like, I'm always like, um, if you just like open Bumble, every other guy looks just like him. It's okay. (laughs) And nobody wants to take that as the answer. But I have this theory. Tell me what you think about this. I have this theory. I just, I really don't think men listen to this podcast, but very much hoping nobody that I have dated or am currently dating listens to this podcast, but I'm about to spill some tea. So I have this new methodology that one of my best friends who's married to her dream man developed where we literally put, she, she went on 52 dates to find him and she would organize them in a spreadsheet. And so she would write down, you know, how many dates, what did they do their education? Like what was positive about them? But like, what the result was, like why it didn't work out, rate the date, was it an energetic fit? Like it was, it's in depth, right? And so I have started emulating her process. And the best part about it is that you just look at the guys' data. So like if they don't call (laughs) for a third or fourth date, you just find a new name to put in the spreadsheet. Mm. Hey, if it works, I love it. Like I, I encourage my clients to do a dating experiment where 
um, they don't do 52, but they do 12. Okay. And it's very similar. There's uh, an assessment afterwards. Like, how did you feel on the date? Afterwards, did you have fun? Right? And you're assessing also their values. And yes. if you had fun and you wanted to see them again, that shows that there's connection, right? Too often we confuse, you need to have this instant sexual chemistry, but sometimes the brain cognitively doesn't uh, know and doesn't process that it's romantic. So sometimes it's just connection. You want to see if it's there. And that is, I'm having fun. I want to see them again. Okay, great. That warrants a second date. And then there's, you look at what are your top values and start to look and see like, does this person show that they share the same values? And that might take a few times. And if it's like, you know, they clearly indicate that they don't show one of your values, then it doesn't matter how much chemistry you have. It's a no. So Amy, I have something interesting for you on that. So values is actually part of my mindset and manifestation mentorship, because I think it's a really important way to align ourselves, right? Every single day with what matters most to us, right? And do you use your values to guide you in life, like a framework for how you make decisions, especially when things are vying for your time and attention, like everybody experiences now in 2021, right? Do you find sometimes that they have to, you have to work with them to uncover their own values before they can determine if his fit theirs? So most people have not stopped to really assess what are my values? What do I stand for? Bingo. And so when you don't have that, right, your values, as you know, in your program, they are your compass. And if you are not clear on what you stand for, your direction will continually be swayed by the agenda of others. Boom. Wow. Okay. If you, if you take nothing else out of this episode, if you are not clear on what you stand for, your direction will continually be swayed by the values of others. I'm going to write it down and say it again for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) So Amy, tell me a little bit about this chemistry compass. We're into it. Mm. So in the book, I talk about our chemistry compass, which is our internal GPS system that points us into the direction of who we're drawn to and who we're repelled by. Now, if you have a history of unhealthy relationships or choosing people who are unavailable or toxic for you, this doesn't mean that you're broken. It means your chemistry compass is broken. And I really make that distinction because too often when we're disappointed in love, we think that we're messed up and you know there's something wrong with us and we need to be fixed. That's not the case. And again, human beings, we're drawn to what is familiar. This is true, whether it's music, food, or romantic partners. So if you grew up with, you know, unhealthy models of love, say you had an unavailable parent, and that became your model of what love is, then your chemistry compass is going to point you in the direction of people who are unavailable, who will give you that same emotional experience. So the whole point is you want to start to fix your chemistry compass and know that you don't go from zero to hundred. You don't go from dating completely unhealthy, unavailable people to the next person you're totally into a secure, loving, stable person. That person you go like, yuck, it's way too foreign. So you want to grow your comfort level of what secure people feel like. And that's why I really recommend people to do a dating experiment. You throw your idea of your type, that means your height requirement, their skinny jeans, their income, you throw all that crap out and you just choose people who seem to be kind, emotionally stable, who are intentionally wanting to date you and are interested. 
And even if you don't feel the sexual chemistry, you give it a try. And what will happen is you will eventually get a little bit more familiar with, oh, this is what support feels like. Oh, this is how it feels like when someone actually likes me. And that will start shifting your chemistry compass. Amazing. I literally feel like I should send you a Venmo. Is this, was this for me? <laughs> you're, you're so helpful. This is so incredible. And I know that light bulbs are going off for other women who are listening. So just want to reiterate my gratitude, even though we're, we're right in the middle of it. That's incredible. So another thing that I wanted to ask you, you know, I love that you talk about rewiring your heart because that's definitely a part of our mentorship program, right? It's rewiring your brain. And it sounds like, the chemistry compass is probably one of the very important tools in that. Do you have any other tips for people going about this process other than obviously they need to read your book? <laughs> they need to and or take the breakup boot camp. But what are your your other tips on that front? I think one of the most important lessons we can learn in life is to separate the facts from the fiction and to be aware of the cognitive distortions, also called thinking traps, that human beings are prone to do. So whether it's uh, catastrophizing, right? So maybe you like someone, they didn't like you back. And then you turn that into this, like, I'm never going to fall in love. Like I'm 30 and I should, uh, you know, no one's going to want to have kids with me, whatever that is, or getting caught in shoulds. Maybe it didn't work out. And then you're just ruminating. He should have done this. I should have done that. Black or white thinking, mind reading. There's, there's an entire list of thinking traps that I, I listed in my book. And to look at the current story that is running your life right now, we all have a relationship narrative and write down what your current narrative is, whether it's the, you know, how you're, you're looking at the ending of the last relationship you were in to the ideas you have about being single, write down all of the stories, the beliefs that you have, and then go in there and circle all of the thinking traps and then see like, oh my gosh, like these are the thinking traps that I'm most prone to. And then write a new story and just write a story with only the facts. And you make this a practice as you go through life. And it's not just about romantic relationships because now I'll catch myself, right? When I, using always and never, that's also a thinking trap. I, that's one of my tendencies. So when something doesn't go right and I'm like, oh, this always happens to me. I just take a moment. I'm like, oh, that's a thinking trap. That's actually not reality. Okay. And like, it creates some separation versus having these stories that are complete fiction become, you know, the, the author of your future. I love that. I, you know, that's interesting. We have a lot of parallels. I, I just really love the work that you're doing. It's beautiful. I have chills as you're telling that. It makes so much sense how rewriting that narrative would help to reframe dating for them and help them find a healthy partner. And we kind of do something like that at the end of our program where it's about writing your future story and that next level version of yourself. It's not specific to, to relationship, although some people dive more in that direction, right? But that's really cool. I love that. That's incredible. Do you believe that we can manifest our dream man? <laughs> I think it depends on, on how that question is asked, right? If it's manifesting our dream man and he's, you know, six foot two and he works on Wall Street and he has chiseled jawline and I like, fuck, where's all saints? Like, no, like <laughs> God, that's stopping you from seeing all of the opportunities for potential partners that are around you all the fucking time. 
And so I think that it's really important that we, when we're talking about manifestation, it's getting clear on what are your values? How do you want to feel in a partnership? And, and get to really know the feeling of what you want, right? Yes. Get to know the feeling of what does support feel like, love feel like. And if you don't have romantic examples, pull it from how you feel with friends who support you. That's a great place yes. to start. And so I think that's really important. And I think what really screws us up is this idea of a type because the package in which this person is going to arrive might look very different from what you have in your head. And if you keep having this idea of who your type is, you are going to just miss out. And that person might be right there and you won't even know it. That's really interesting. I have been, I'm less focused on physical qualities and more focused on like mindset and spiritual qualities when I date. Mm. Um, And so, but they all end up being attractive, but maybe not all 12s. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, that's just not my priority, right? My priority is like, mental fitness and same values and interest in having a family. You'd be surprised how many guys I've dated don't really give a shit about that. You know, so that's really interesting that you say that. I have another theory on manifesting our dream, man. I'd be curious to get your opinion on this because you're very knowledgeable on the topic. So it's kind of about energetic attraction, right? So when it's like your attention goes where your energy flows. So it's like a mm. lot of women tend to, like the girls who get so low in a breakup, right? For the, for example, they get very focused on the what of the manifestation, right? Right? Like that, like, let's call him Chad. I don't know. That just sounds like the name of an asshole, right? Let's call him Chad. So they're very focused on Chad. And if she breaks up with Chad, she's like just utterly distraught over it, right? But- Chad is the what. And when we're so focused on the exact specifics of the manifestation, it's usually not going to be the best way for it to show up, right? It's kind of placing emphasis on the wrong thing. But if you focus on the how, which could just be the feeling of love, like you said, which I loved when, when you said that, I was like, yes, the feeling of love, the partnership, right? With like blocking out his face, but what does your life look like together? How do you guys support each other? How do you make each other feel? When you focus on how and you let the what, the exact person be up to God, the universe, whatever you believe in, it's like a better place of allowing, right? To manifest the right him or I don't know. What do you think about this? This is just my theory. I mean, yeah, I love that, right? I mean, before I met my partner, I've I, you know, my lists look very different. In my 20s, it was like you had to be a DJ and a club owner. Like wait, that's absurd. Uh, in my in my 30s, like you had to be a tech entrepreneur. Like and and you know, very specific, I, by the way. I know with my current partner, someone tried to set us up and showed me his picture. And I looked at it in one glance. I was like, nah. You didn't because ask any questions. Nothing. You weren't, you weren't no. like what is he, how does he treat his mom? Like, what does he do? Like, what does he do for fun? Is he spiritual? Nothing. And ask one question. Wow. And this was like a friend who's like, legit knows how to connect. I was just like, in my head, I was like, oh, he looks like a finance bro. And I didn't meet my partner until a year later on a dating app. And I didn't know. No way. Oh, that, that's manifestation. That's manifestation. The universe was bringing him back to you. They were like, no, bitch, we tried to tell you. Are you going to pay attention this time? Seriously, right? They were like, this is the guy. 
open your eyes, right? Don't you, have you had that experience, right? Where like, you have in this situation, but maybe in other places where like you get slapped in the face with the same thing so many times you can't ignore it. Yeah, totally. And it's, I think it just goes to show, right? Like I said back then when my friend tried to set me up, I'm looking for love. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm ready. And I wasn't right. I was, that's BS because I was saying that, but my actions weren't, I wasn't open-hearted. I wasn't open-minded. And I feel like a year later, when I did match with him, I didn't know this was the same person. We didn't know this until later on that, oh, wait, we were, someone tried to set us up. And I think it just shows like exactly what you were saying. I was so focused on like the what, the, the Chad A, Chad B, Chad C, that I, I like was so closed off to a, a non-version of Chad. <laughs> That is hilarious. Poor Chad. Poor Chads of the world. You guys are getting just reamed right now. So, okay. It's interesting that you said you weren't ready. Like you thought you were ready, but you weren't ready, right? Because you were closed off. That is very interesting because I think I have had that experience where I thought I was ready. And I was like wondering like, why isn't this coming for me? But it's like, I wasn't truly there with myself for whatever reason, going through different things, right? We can fall in and out of love with ourselves and we can't love somebody else until we love ourselves. We know that, right? That just creates, you know, you're just going to attract somebody similar to you and then it's going to be a a toxic relationship, right? Because no, everybody's out for themselves and nobody's truly willing to love unconditionally. and, And I don't wish that for any of us, you know? What denotes, like, what are the qualities of an emotionally available man? Like, can you just like, describe him to me let's give him a different name what's like a kind name <laughs> paul that's paul. my partner okay <laughs> we're, we're using paul paul's it so yeah i mean I'll, I'll tell you my personal experience with paul paul is loyal he's generous he's kind high empathy like high integrity if he says he's gonna do something he for sure will do it he's consistent he supports me um and we have a soul connection I, and this is very different from what I call an ego transaction. So I I feel like a lot of people can have an ego transaction where they, they start off with their, their best asset, right? So maybe you're rewarded for being pretty or smart or rich, whatever it is. And you use that to open the door, but you actually don't show the other parts of yourself because you're so afraid of not being enough or being rejected that it's just a representative you know, dating another person. And so sure you can be in a relationship, but it's an ego transaction. It doesn't really deeply bond because you don't really both reveal your essence to each other. And, and that's a soul connection. And so, you know, I, I feel like Paul and I both have shown who we are and it is, it's a soul connection. I don't feel insecure, you know, will someone be prettier than me? Because it's, our relationship isn't based off that. And if you have an ego transaction, there's always going to be insecurity because there's always going to be someone richer, smarter, prettier, funnier than you. And so you're constantly on edge if you're going to lose that connection because it's only based on the superficial house of cards. Wow. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Wish we would have met a decade ago, Um, but all good. We're here now. I know that those experiences were transformative for me in some way. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Very interesting. You talk a lot about closure and I have this argument 
with many friends that break up because my theory is that closure doesn't exist. It's an illusion. It's an excuse that you're making for yourself to seek more attention or validation from the ex-partner and that it's unhealthy. It's going to just perpetuate the attachment and that it's better for us to just close the door, right? The breakup is the, like whatever the action was that broke you guys up is the fucking closure. Like stuff, like closure is just an excuse for more of the same toxicity or whatever. So I think you've written about this on your Instagram, but am I on point with what you think? What do you think? Like, just, can we just lay this out there for all the girls that think they need closure and set set the record? So I totally agree with your perspective and it's actually not closure that you're looking for. So people think that they want closure. They really want relief from the pain. And so they think that if they get the explanation, the apology, the whatever it is, that that pain is going to go away. And there's no amount of data or explanations that actually will make that pain go away, right? And so closure isn't something that something external can give you. It's a process that you do for yourself. And, you know, you can't expect yourself to, you know, maybe you've had a, a, a relationship for a couple of years with someone and you break up and then immediately after you just have closure yourself. No, like there are stages of grieving, stages of separation, which are completely natural to go through and you can't bypass them and you can't fast forward through them. And so respect the process, respect the ending, respect the grieving. You're grieving the end of a relationship, the end of a friendship, the end of a part of your identity. And that discomfort is a part of the process of of your evolution, of your growth. So that's what I have to say on closure. (laughs) That is amazing. And I appreciate that. And once again, I will be uh, texting this. (laughs) gently suggesting that this episode is listened to because it's like I always you know I'm not perfect I'm not married to my dream man yet I will be this year psychics have told me and I can feel it so we know he's he's in the stratosphere he's heading my direction I I was told that he's in Miami so I'm going this weekend and getting an apartment there because it's been it's time anyway um but I actually had a guy friend tell me he was like I love the thing you said about soul connection because I think it's super, super important not to be connected to each other's egos. And I think if we don't make an effort, that can happen. And I wasn't as acutely aware of it until you put it so simplistically. So thank you. Everybody right now is saying thank you. Everybody listening. But he said to me, he's like, I got this new card game. Like I was thinking we could have some drinks and play this card game and just get to know each other better. And I was like, okay. I was like, sounds weird. I like it. And he was like, yeah, no, it's, it, like it'll go deep. I was like, "You're you're speaking my language right now." Like, <laughs> yes, like absolutely. So I think that's what you mean. Yeah. So Amy, this is incredible. We have been so grateful for all of your advice. I have really enjoyed this conversation for my own personal knowledge, and I know that everybody listening is feeling super grateful because. It's about to be cuffing season, right? It's, it's cold mm. outside. People are looking for new partners. They don't want to spend the winters alone. They, I mean, nobody wants to, especially the pandemic, right? Do you feel yeah. like the pandemic just made everybody more interested in dating? Uh, I think that it caused people to really look at what matters in life. And it also was a magnifying glass to people who were in relationships. And it just showed the cracks. So... Oh. 
Well, I agree with that. I know that there seems like there's more eligible guys out on the dating app. So I'm going to take all of this knowledge and go put it to work and report back to you. But before we end this episode, I want to make sure that you can tell all the ladies where they can find you, where they can buy your book. Your Instagram has incredible, valuable information on it as well. We're now Insta friends. So can you share all the goods with us? Yeah. Uh, so you can find more info on my bootcamp, breakup bootcamp, uh, at renewbreakupbootcamp.com. We have a retreat coming up in upstate New York and my book breakup bootcamp, the science of rewiring your heart is available on Amazon and I'm on Instagram at miss Amy Chan. Thank you so much, miss Amy. We're so grateful for you. Thank you. All right, ladies, if you loved what you heard today, please remember to subscribe, hit five stars, maybe share it with a girl who needs to hear this advice today. We'd be oh so grateful if you had time to leave a little review too. You can add us on Instagram at Nicole Rose Stillings and at Big Queen Energy Pod. We hope we brightened your day, but that's all for now. Don't forget to tune in Mondays in the AM to Big Queen Energy, supporting you on your journey to fearless creation.